the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll take our text from there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll read beginning at verse 1 down through uh, 11. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Why don't we pray? Father, we're so thankful for your word today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that provision has been made for every need, for every person upon the face of this earth. We say thank you. And Father, we pray for a special anointing today. Lord, as your word goes forth, anoint your vessel, Lord. Oh, Father, that your word will come forth, Lord. And Father, speak life to each one of us here today and health and prosperity in every way. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll talk to you a few minutes on the, the, the Philistine spoilers. And we're going to read verse 1 through verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant that you should how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased and they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were for our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted neither be idolaters as were some of them as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand neither let us tempt christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed as serpents Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happened unto them for examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. That's the one that I want to focus on the scripture today. Now, all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Amen. Looking back over at 1 Samuel chapter 13. I want us to read 1 16 through 18. And Saul and Jonathan his son and the people that were present with them abode in Gabeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Mishmash. And the spoilers came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned into the way that leaded to Oprah and to the land of Shul. And another company turned the way to Betharon, and another company turned the way of the border that looked to the valley of Zebion toward the wilderness. Now there were, there were no smith found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, let the Hebrews make them swords or spears. Now this, I know if you just hear 
these verses, it's not going to make a lot of sense to you. But we're going somewhere there. The spoilers is what I want us to look at today. Now, all of this happens for our admonition. Amen. All the things that happened back to the children of Israel so that we could learn from them. Amen. Now, over in First Corinthians chapter 10, and we read there verse 11, these are the words of Paul as he's explaining the huge price of that doubt and unbelief took on the children of Israel. He noted there were some that died in the wilderness and never made it to the promised land. He then exhorts a New Testament church to understand that all of the accounts and encounters in the Old Testament were written for our instruction. He infers that the wanderings of Israel can very well be a picture of what the church life and saint life look like. We have to use the Old Testament stories to help us in our spiritual battle. One man said this, So many go into the fields against Satan. And so few come out conquerors because all have a desire to be happy, but a few have the courage and resolution to grapple with the difficulties that meet them in the way to happiness. There's a devil out there, as we said last Sunday. The Bible says that Satan comes as a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy He's always been around for, for a long, long, long time since he was thrown out of heaven. Amen? So we know that there's an enemy out there. So it's in, that we find in this story uh, the same vein of thought also. God in his great grace passed to us a book where he has spoken so that we can see how to go. I'm so glad that God has given us instruction. Just like he came and he gave Moses instructions. He would speak to Moses when he was leading the children of Israel out of bondage. Uh, you know, God is presenting himself strong today. Uh, he's talking to a people today. Amen. Uh, and we just need to have an ear to hear uh, what the spirit of the Lord has to say. Uh, he will not let us grope around in darkness, uh, but we need to take heed uh, how we walk, uh, how we make it through this journey uh, that we're on. Amen. We can look back at the children of Israel and we can see so many things uh, that hindered them. One of the things were murmuring and complaining. They murmured and complained. Amen. But, you know, if we hold the word of God in our heart, it will help us. And it will, it, the word is a light. Amen. It's a light into our path. David said, uh, the word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. So God gives us directions. He gives us instructions. Uh, you know, the background surrounding this text uh, is the first three years of Saul's um, uh, reign as the new king of Israel. The battle he's about to go through will, but is his first one against the orc enemies of the Philistines. Saul had already put together an army of about 3,000 soldiers to help him to defend the nation. 2,000 were under the command of Mishmash, and 1,000 were under the command of Jonathan at Gabeah. The Philistines were to be formidable enemies for Saul. They were always enemies, uh, and they were breathing down uh, the neck with fear and intimidation. Amen? Uh, the clues to that end are found in this chapter. Israel was, we're going to get on into it. Just stay with me right here. I know it's a little bit difficult to follow through on this right now. But anyway, um, Israel had 
an uh, abomination with the Philistines, meaning that the Philistines were not pleased now that they had a new king and had already defeated the Ammonites in battle. In 13.6, the people were distressed, literally meaning that they were squeezed and pressed together, and they were in great difficulty. You have to read the whole chapter, and you might want to go back later on if you want to look into this. Look at chapter 12 and then chapter 13. Excuse me. Anyway, the people had fled. They were afraid because this army was vicious, and this army was coming, and we're going to get on into the spoilers here in a second. Some managed to find high places that were secret holding places like stone vaults. Some of them hid in thickets. They hid in caves and cliffs uh, or somewhere in the rocks. And uh, they would go and find these pits that were dried up. And uh, that's where some of the Israelites were hidden. But some of the people actually fled to Gath and Gilead, which would be northern Jerusalem across the Dead Sea. And Israel was literally set back on their heels because of fear. They were afraid because this army was attacking them. And they had very a very small army in comparison to the one that were attacking them. And so fear creeped in. Fear came in, and uh, they were set back because of this. You know, sometimes our hope for victory gets choked out whenever fear. Fear is one demon spirit. I believe that, and he'll come at us in any way he can. We can know the word of God from beginning to, to finish, but if fear comes in, then it's going to hinder us. It'll do everything it can to stop us and stop the work and the flow of the spirit. It'll cause you to shift the blame like Adam tried to do. He he was afraid. I'm sure he was. And then it'll cause you to lie just like Abraham did about Sarah. Fear. Fear will make you run to Laban just like it did to Jacob. Fear will make you build a golden calf just as Aaron did because he feared the people. Fear will cause you to lose your promised land, just like the ten faithless spies. Fear will cause you to back down from Goliath. Remember David and Goliath. Amen. But you know what? He didn't back down, did he? Fear will put you behind the wine press like a trembling Gideon. Fear will make you run from Absalom, just like David did. It'll cause you to sink just like Peter did on the stormy sea. So we have to keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let fear come in. Amen. I'm so glad that the word says that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, come on folks, and of love and of a sound mind. I'm so glad that he does give us that spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So we have to learn that we have to walk by faith and not by sight. The Philistines were feared by the people of Israel because of their massive numbers. And not only was Israel fearful of them, but of all the surrounding nations and the people. And the people in the other surrounding nations were afraid. They were afraid. Amen. So I'm going to skip on over here, but I want us to look. I want us to look at the spoilers. Now, the Bible says here that they went three different directions. And that's the part I wanted to get to. They went into three different directions. Now, spoilers here, and it's used in other places in Scripture, and it means battered. One place it 
the word battered was used, but it all meant the same thing. Corrupt, corrupted, um, destroy, or destroyer, uh, marred, perish, spoilers thing, wasted water, all of the uh, waster, all of these things was another word for spoilers. Amen. So the Philistine spoilers left the camp in three detachments. They went in three different directions. And this was a common military strategy in those days because it provided greater options and mobility to the attackers. But the direction that the spoilers took really speaks to the murderous motivations that rested in their souls. Their efforts were strategic in an effort to destroy Israel. We have spoilers of this world, the flesh, and the devil to contend with. Amen? When we are unprepared, that's when the spoilers come. And he'll come to deceive. He'll come to tear down. As we said, he will come to steal and to kill and he'll come to deter you and throw you off track in any way that he can. We have to keep the mind of Christ. Keep the word of God in our heart because it's going to keep us and it's going to direct us. Amen. So he'll come when we're confused about which direction we're to go. We're confused about what's going on in our life. Is this God or is it the enemy? Is it just flesh? What is it? What's going on? So he'll come in those areas. And I want to uh, also to mention that Satan will attack our weakest point, our weakest part. He knows what it is, and that's the part that he will attack. Amen. So when we're in places of prosperity and blessings, the spoiler will sometimes come. When we get into a position of willful and proud ignorance, the spoilers sometimes come. Amen. So the first one they went to was a place called Oprah, the first place, amen, Oprah was located in the tribe of Benjamin. And if you remember, Rachel died while, was give, while she was giving birth to Benjamin. And his dad, gave, I mean, his mother gave him a name. Now, we know that, that Rachel died while she was giving birth to him. And she had named him uh, B-E-N-O-N-I, and it means sorrow. But you know what? Isaac came along, and he changed that name. He changed that name to Benjamin, amen, which means uh, the son of my right hand. So there was a good thing that came out of it in spite of all of the sorrow that happened there. The right hand was always symbolic of great strength and power. The Philistine spoilers of our generation want to come in, and they want to shut down our ability to cry out and to pray to God. Amen. And that's one of the things that I feel like God's been dealing with the church about, with the body of Christ about, is our prayer life. Pray. Get down and pray. And you know what? Unless our prayer has passion, I don't know how far it's going. But we have to pray with passion. Pray with feeling. You know, I was thinking about Mary when I was looking at this. I was thinking about this message. Mary prays with passion. If I have a need in my life, and I want to choose somebody to come help me pray. Mary's one of the first people that I think of because she prays with passion. Amen. But you know what? The enemy would like to slow that down. Great revival movements have always hinged on the abilities of the saints, of the churches, and preachers to give them, bring them into intercessory prayer. I remember when we first started Passageway 25 years ago, I remember telling the people, I said, if you'll go with me, if you'll come with me, we'll go places in the Lord. Because it was started 
in prayer. It was started by prayer. People weren't afraid to pray. Amen. You might not see a huge mega church right now, but let me tell you what. I look at a strong people. I look at a strong church. I look at a people that are going places in the Lord. I look at a people that have faith in God, a people that know that the word of God is alive and you can stand on it. Amen? A people that's eating the word. Hallelujah. So anyway, and, and, and the enemy would attack the places where great victory had been won. So we find that they went in these three directions. I hope I'm making a little bit of sense to y'all. <laughs> Praise God. Um, Anyway, um, he's trying to stop intercessory prayer. And that's one thing that he's trying to do right now. The spoiler is trying to stop intercessory prayer. And if he can do that, then he's done his thing. Amen. Um, intercessory prayer is filling the gap between someone and a situation and God. It's like holding on to a person with one hand, holding on to God with another hand trying to pull them together that's what it's like we need to pray an intercessory prayer like never ever before praise god in the name of jesus i cut off satan's line of communication to all uh, of these people that we're praying for one woman said she said in jesus name i cut it off we plead the blood and now holy spirit talk to them talk to them in the morning talk to them in the noontime you know that's one thing that we can't do. We can lead people to the Lord, but we can't do the work of the Spirit. And I tell people that often because it seems like we get under a heavy load and we don't know what to do with it, don't know where to go with it. We've done everything that we know to do. But you know what? There comes a time when we have to say, okay, God, they're in your hands because we cannot do the work that the Spirit of the Lord would do. He can use us to lead them and to guide them and to encourage them, but he has to do the work of the Spirit. Amen. So the spoiler comes in and does everything it can to destroy the motivation uh, for intercessory prayer. He'll use anything that he can. He'll try to get you to hold a grudge. He'll use recreation. He wants us to be offended. He wants us to criticize. He wants to embitter us over life situations. In any way that he can, he wants to stop our prayer life. And that's how he works. Amen. Our prayer closets are usually mirrors of our own spiritual condition. Effective prayer is hard work. Self-exposure of our true spiritual condition comes in prayer. Spiritual deformities are exposed to us in places of prayer. Carnality will be discovered in a prayer chamber. The prayer always leaves us changed, always leaves us changed. But the job of the spoiler is to put you into a state of prayerless paralysis. I could stop there and could have a message. The next place he went was a place called Betharon. Betharon. Now, we could go back to Joshua 10 and we can read that, but this should have been more like a teaching, I guess, than what it is uh, a message today. But I just want us to realize there's a spoiler out there, and he's going to attack the places that we had most victory in. That's where he goes. Amen. We see where this army went in these three different directions, attacking places where victory had been won. So um, you'll find that a great deliverance uh, and victory took place there when God helped Joshua and his men defeat an alliance of ten kings. Joshua 10 and 7 notes that um, 
all the people of war and the mighty men of valor who were engaging in the war. Uh, but when you read further down, you, you're going to see uh, that God rained hailstones hell, hell, hell down on the opposing armies, and God won that battle for him that destroyed more in the army, amen, than what the warriors, the warriors did. Okay. The Philistine spoilers went back to a place where God's deliverance had been and determined that they would take it for a stronghold. You have to be vigilant in places of past victory. The devil would love nothing more than to come back in and create havoc there. The New Testament principle, this thing is noted in these words of Jesus, and it talks about the unclean spirit in Matthew 12, 43, and I'm not going to take the time to read it, but it talks about when the unclean spirits is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Then he said, I'll return to my house from which I came out, and when he's come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then he goes, as I said, I wasn't going to read it, but might as well. Then he goes and takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than him. They enter in and dwell there, and that last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also into this wicked generation. So we have to be on guard in these kinds of situations. So anyway, if you've had deliverance and victory in the past, you can't let the spoiler get back and form a stronghold there. Amen. And it talks about the works of the flesh. But I want to go on down to the next one. This is a real in-depth study. But the Valley of Zeboim, the third place the spoiler wanted to get into was in the valley. In the valley, amen. There's some things that take place in the valleys in the Bible. Uh, the Bible makes notes of valleys being well watered by mountain streams, makes mention of the valleys being placed where fountains and springs are. Valleys are fruitful with lush produce where a quiet place of peace is present. The spoilers are desperate to get into the valleys so that they can commandeer them. Amen. Going back to the Bible, valleys are descriptive or a lot for a lot of things. The church of Jesus, the blessings, the removal of obstacles, victory, prosperity, growth, refreshing holiness, craftsmanship. They're places that the spoilers want to get into. And if they can thwart the production that's taking place in the valley, they can shut down everything in us, both individually and collectively, as a church. So they want to spoil the production of new souls. The spoiler does not want a harvest brought in. I feel God is preparing this church, this body, for a great harvest of souls. And I've been feeling this just recently. And uh, there's a spoiler out there, and he wants to stop that production of new souls, the production of believing God for blessings, the production of victory, and the production that comes with prosperity. So he does everything that he can. But I'm so glad that we have a Savior. Amen? We have our big brother Jesus. Uh, we have God on our side. Amen? And we're going to see how he won victory for these people. Praise God. So anyway, uh, there's a remedy. There's a remedy, and that remedy is none other than Jesus Christ. Uh, the Philistine spoilers want to get into places of intercession, they want to get into places of past victory, and they want to get into places of spiritual production to close down what God has determined that he wants to do. God has a work for us to do. He has a work for each one of you. Amen. You're salt and light. You're the light of the world, the Bible says. People are looking at you. Sometimes you're the only God that people can see. Um, 
the only remedy against the nasty Philistine spoilers were the two forgotten swords. There were two forgotten swords when they had gone out in this army, in this war. Amen. And the, there were no weapons to defend them. And we didn't read all of it. Maybe I should have read more. But they didn't have weapons. They didn't have spirits. And they didn't have swords. But you know what? They were two forgotten weapons. Praise God. Sometimes we forget what we really have in our heart when we have the word of God. The word of God is our sword. It's our shield. Amen. So um, everything was gone. They were nothing that, to defend themselves. But what happened was in 1 Samuel 14, 12 through 16, the men of the garrison answered Jonathan, his armor bearer, and said, come up to us. We'll show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up to me. And the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell down before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. The first slaughter which Jonathan and the armor bearer made was about 20 men. We're in, as it were, a half acre of land, which was a yoke of oxen. Uh, which they might plow. And there was a trembling in the host, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison, the spoilers. They also trembled in the earthquake. So it was a very great trembling. And the watchmen of Saul and Gabriel Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on beating down one another. Amen. We've got to keep our hands on the word of God. We've got to get our hands on the word of God, and we've got to hold it dear to our heart. We gotta hold it dear to our heart. The word of God is what's going to keep us, folks. You know, I might give you a word, I might not keep my word, or you might not keep your word always. Uh, but you know what? God watches over His word, and He keeps it. Not one jot, nor one tittle will ever fall away. It will never pass away. It won't fall to the ground. Amen. But it, He watches over His word all the time. He said, "My covenant will I not break, neither will I alter that which I've spoken out of my lips." Uh, so everything that the all attempts to take away we can find power in putting our hand on a forgotten sword the sword amen the word of god which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit goes into the joints and into the marrow it takes care of the whole man the word of god provides for any need that any of us could ever have amen uh, one man one church one small group of people can make a difference uh, look to the early days of the pentecostal movement uh, and you'll discover that it was common people common preachers that god used to uh, that God used to bring about a great revival. So, you know, you might say, well, I don't see everybody praying. I don't see everybody fasting. But let me tell you what, God can use one person. He hears our cry. He hears our prayer. And I believe that God has called some of us to be intercessors. Intercessors, amen, that we can stand in the gap and we can pull God and man together and we can see God bring great revival like this world has never seen because I believe the best is yet to come, don't you? <laughs>